we're getting closer to Sagittarius season. Ever closer. You know what that means. Do I? Do you? No, I don't. I was hoping you did. No. Because <laughs> I don't. <laughs> um, I'm Aaron. I'm Tom. This is Baby's First Watchlist, the podcast that is not jumping right to Christmas season after Halloween. No. We're making it Thanksgiving time, it's friends. It's comfort food season. That's right. And we are sticking to it, even though we went to Target yesterday just so I can have our son walk through the uh, Christmas tree aisle. Yeah. So, you know, we're, and we're, we're playing we're, Christmas music, too. We're we. That's a strong we. <laughs> <laughs> but OK. He likes it. All right. So today's movie is 1985's Tampopo. As I'm sure all of you have seen. Yes. And if not, you will see after this. <laughs> I had not heard of this movie until Tom suggested it last week or two weeks ago. I had heard of it just through it being a really good food movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a Japanese comedy film written and directed by Juzo Itami, who actually directed his first film titled The Funeral at age 50. Wow. Isn't so he was crazy? really old when this came out. Mm-hmm. He... Ended up having like a really crazy um, death, which is really sad. Okay. Um, did you read about this? No, I didn't. So he had fallen from his apartment uh, and and died. And they found a note on a like typed up saying that there was uh, something was going to be revealed in the press, but it wasn't true and whatever. And then it was revealed in the press. But his... Um, his family said that that was not what happened and that he was being um, kind of followed by this gang that he had made a movie about in years previous. Wow. And that this was a setup to show that his death was maybe one way, but really it was a different way. And a former member of that gang came out and said that that's true. Wow. But who knows if that person was telling right. the truth, but crazy, right? Yeah. Very sad. Very sad. Um, the movie and he actually there was an incident where members of that group had attacked him previously. Hmm. So who knows? It wouldn't be out of the question. Right. Um, so the the movie stars uh, Sutomu Yamakazi, Yamazaki, sorry, who worked a lot with this director. This director ended up like he worked a lot with the same people. Yeah. Um, Nobuko Miyamoto, who was his wife. I did not know that until I, until I looked after. Yep. Um, and she also starred in most of his movies. Yeah. Uh, which I kind of love that. Like, if you became a famous director, I would want to star in all your movies. <laughs> like, come on. Um, uh, Koji Yakusho, who was from Babel. I was going to say, you know what you know he him from? He was the dad in Babel. He was the dad in Babel. Um, which was not my favorite movie. You liked it more than I did. I I, appre- I got it. Like, I appreciated it. I, just, just, like, I not, wouldn't necessarily lo- like, rewatch it. I don't it. love that director very much. Yeah, just not a big revenant head. I'm not. I'm really not. And Birdman, I didn't like as much the second time yeah, around. Neither did yeah, did I actually. Um, and of course, it also stars Ken Watanabe. Yes. Who is a best supporting actor nominee from The Last Samurai? He was in Batman Begins. He was in Inception. He's a Nolan guy. Yeah, he was in Memoirs of a Geisha. He was in Letters from Iwo Jima. He got a lot of praise for that movie. And he also was in Detective Pikachu. Uh, Watanabe also is a Tony-nominated actor for his Broadway debut in The King and I. Wow. When was that? Like 2015. Like wow. not that long ago. Um, so, yeah. I He's a great actor. I like him. He's always He always adds to the movie. Whatever. Like Whenever he's in it, you're always like, I like that guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, 
I can't believe that the guy from Babel, he played the guy in the white suit. Uh, yeah, he was yeah. the gangster guy, right? Yeah. yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, so Tampopo was released in late November 1985, so we picked a good time to review it because it was when, same time of the year it yeah, came yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, um, And it was a success. I don't know as far as how much money it made. Yeah, it's tough um, to find. There was not a lot of stuff about this movie on Wikipedia. No. Um, it currently has a 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, though. And it received the best editing and best sound trophies at the Japanese Academy Awards. And this um, director, a lot of his movies were big at the Japanese Academy Awards. Like a lot of his movies won a lot of those awards. Um, And it was also nominated for best foreign film at the Independent Spirit Awards. That makes sense. Didn't quite make it over to the Oscars or the Golden Globes, but yeah, you know, that's okay um there's a ton of great japanese not only japanese there's a ton of great like foreign films that don't ever break in that you kind of gotta find out this one is just like this one i wouldn't say is like an obscure one because this one if you look up food movies it's on every single list right uh so it's not like one where it's like oh my god no one's ever seen tempopo but like it's not exactly a you know very popular movie in the united states (laughs) from south korea um so this Movie did inspire a lot of restaurants that ramen shops that would be named Tampopo. Um, there is a Japanese Korean fusion restaurant. Uh, I don't know if it's a fusion restaurant, but it has both Japanese and Korean cuisine, and it's in Philadelphia. And when I looked it up, like it has like kind of the same font, yeah, you know, so like you could tell it was inspired, inspired by the yeah. movie. Um, and I do have a New Jersey connection, believe it or not. Wow. Yeah, besides Tampopo being in Philadelphia, the uh, restaurant that was inspired by it. So ready? Get connected for free. (laughs) Free New Jersey connection. Okay, so there was a movie that was called The Ramen Girl, and it was, I think, released in like 2008 or something. Yes, it was. I was going to talk about it. (laughs) So, oh, good. You can talk about it No, 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 not a lot. Just I was going to mention it. I don't know a lot about it. Um, What I do know, though, is that, number one, it was heavily inspired by Tampopo. Number two, I think someone in Tampopo was in it. In uh, yes. I will double check who it was. but. And finally, it starred Brittany Murphy. Brittany Murphy. Who grew up in Edison, New Jersey. Wow. That's actually not that far off of a New Jersey connection. That's not bad, right? Yeah. Um. So you guys just got connected for free with New Jersey Connection. Take that, The Meg. <laughs> the one movie I could oh, not find. Oh, it New was Jersey the guy connection. who played Goro. Goro oh, Who perfect. was the lead character. There you uh, go. It was uh, Tsusomu Yamazaki. There you go. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So he that's pretty a, cool, right? He had a cameo in The Ramen Girl as Grandmaster was his character's oh, name. Oh, neat. <laughs> um, so that's basically all that, I have here. Pretty Murphy in a ramen movie doesn't see. It's, very, honestly, two, it's like, very 2008. The, ta- the, 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 t- the poster, not great. When did Aloha come out? Oh, that was not A little later? Either. Yeah. That was uh, yeah. I mean, it, was, it feels like an Aloha situation. I don't think it is. Okay. I think it's she is just trying to discover the art of ramen okay i don't think that she's portraying i don't sure. know i haven't seen the movie sure okay i don't know either i do like Brittany murphy though yeah she was a good actress yeah she was um I, but i didn't know she i uh, grew up in edison she was born in like, georgia or something and then she like grew up like when she was older she was in la but um yeah there was a time she grew up in edison so i feel like edison has a lot of people like famous people that come from that area Who you're else? near you where you grew up who else I don't remember. Oh, okay. But there's people. We'll go for it. We'll just stick with that. Stick with it. Or somebody I mentioned not that long ago, like, grew up in that area, like, around South Amboy and stuff. Um, It wasn't, like, Danny DeVito, was it? No, he was down the shore. 
Susan Sarandon. That was it. It was Susan Sarandon. Yep. Um, there's not a ton. I mean, there's actually a, 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 a large page here, but not a lot of people that I recognize. I think I was just thinking of Susan Sarandon because we just covered Thomas Rocky Edison. Horror. Oh, well, yeah. My guy. <laughs> uh, Yo, yeah, shout Sarandon. out for the light bulbs. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 Uh, yeah. What else is Thomas Edison known for? <laughs> uh, what he do you mean? did the light bulb. He did the light bulb. Yes. He well he we wouldn't have movies without Thomas Edison. Okay, but like that's the whole like oh he inspired the, I I get that, but like he developed many devices and fields such as electric power generation, mass communication, sound recording and motion pictures, including the phonograph, the motion picture camera, early versions of the light bulb. Ah. Yeah. Menlo Park baby. Yep, that was where his first lab was. Uh and the mall was the mall. one of our first dates. Yep. There's a food court there yeah all right you want to do the plot yeah all right first of all the tagline is it's called the first japanese noodle western well and they call it a uh, a ramen, ramen western. western instead of a spaghetti western. it borrows a lot of traits from like old uh like american western movies and spaghetti westerns in italy um i actually part of my deep dive is going to be about how this movie's um sort of combination of all the different food cultures in this movie, like the spaghetti scene, the Ron, like how it sort of mashes together a lot of things mm-hmm. is sort of symbolic of how the Western has been sort of taken and, and brought into different directions. But it also comes from the argument is that a lot of the early Westerns come from Akira Kurosawa movies. Mm. So it's like it came from Japan, came to America, then went back to Japan. Like So it's kind of like, how food sort of travels over throughout the world. So do the, the concept of like a Western. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was pretty interesting. It was by the criterion people. So I'm going to, I'm going to talk about that later. Uh, yeah. All right. So the plot summary, a pair of truck drivers, the experienced Goro and a younger colleague named gun, a uh, gun is the guy that's Ken Watanabe, uh, stop at a decrepit roadside ramen shop outside. Goro rescues a boy who's being beaten by three schoolmates. The boy, Tabo, is the son of Tampopo, the widowed owner of the struggling ramen shop, Lai Lai. A customer called Piskin harasses Tampopo, demanding that she sells the shop. Goro suggests Piskin be quiet so he can enjoy his meal, then provokes a physical confrontation, which is so Western. You get the the, the mysterious man who walks into the saloon, mm-hmm. and he gets into a fight with some guy to, to protect somebody else's honor. Like It's like the whole, it's, like, it's classic, classic Western opening. Goro puts up a good fight, but outnumbered by Piskin and his men, he is knocked out and awakens the next morning in Tampopo's home. The next morning, she kindly cooks Goro and Gun breakfast uh, and sends Tabo off to school. While eating breakfast, Tampopo asks for their opinion of her ramen. And Goro and Gun tell her that they are, that the noodles are sincere but lack character. Mm. After Goro gives her some advice, she asks him to become her teacher. They decide to turn her establishment into a paragon of the art of noodle soup making. Which is, I love that this is the whole concept of the movie. Yeah. Like we I, need to make a great I, ramen shop. I love it. She and Goro visit her competitors, and he points out their strengths and weaknesses. She still struggles to fix the broth, so Goro visits one of his friends, who he calls the sensei, mm-hmm. who is part of like an unhoused encampment, um, to enlist the old master and his superlative expertise. When they rescue a wealthy elderly man from choking on his food, the man lends her the services of his chauffeur, Shohei, who has a masterly way with noodles. Through clever trickery, they pry ramen secrets from their competitors. Like she's hiding in the back of a like a store, watching the one guy and what his recipe is. Uh, Gun and his friends give Tampopo a makeover as a modern proprietress. This is another makeover movie. 
It was a makeover movie, <laughs> yes. Two in a row. During the transition, the group agrees to change the restaurant's name from Lai Lai to Tampopo. Piskin feels bad for being too drunk to tell his men to stay out of the fight at the beginning of the movie, so he offers Goro another chance one-on-one. After the rematch ends in a draw, Piskin reveals he is a contractor and Tampopo's childhood friend and offers to renovate the shop's interior. Tampopo's latest effort still comes up short, so Piskin teaches her his own secret recipe. If this guy had a secret recipe, why was why is he holding it out until the end of the movie? <laughs> when the five men consume her latest creation down to the last drop, Tampopo knows she has won. Tabo also triumphs, beating all three of his tormentors and subsequently befriending them. As customers fill her newly dec- redecorated shop, the men file out one by one. Throughout the film, there's other scenes of other characters. Um, there's a couple of vignettes. There, a group of business executives visit a French restaurant and have no idea how to order, and they're upstaged by a surprisingly worldly subordinate when they're all like, oh my god, he knows all that stuff? When they're like, I'll just have a Heineken. Mm-hmm. Um, a woman's etiquette class on how to eat spaghetti silently in the European manner abruptly changes course on observing a white man slurping his noodles. Mm. <laughs> uh, a supermarket clerk catches an aged woman obsessed with squeezing food. Um, a con man uses an elaborate meal to lure a victim into an investment scam. The victim himself is a thief, but is so taken by the meal that he fails to leave with the con man's wallet before being arrested. Uh, a housewife rises from her deathbed to cook one last meal for her family who mournfully eat to memorialize her. And there were a couple memorable scenes with a guy in a white suit, yeah, which we won't get into about. on this podcast. No. <laughs> That's Tempopo. Yep. Uh, good job. Yeah. Did I ever send you my questions? No, but I'll just go off the cuff. Oh, crap. I told you a couple of them. Um, yeah, it's all good. Um, so let me start. So this is uh, Westerns in general. This is a play on a Western. Yeah. And I honestly have not seen many Westerns. Neither have I, to be honest. Like that is a movie genre that I'm severely lacking in. Like severely. Like I've never seen any of those old school Clint Eastwood movies. Never seen a, like any of the John Wayne movies. Yeah. I've like, seen a couple. Nothing like that. Um. I you know I saw uh, a couple like modern ones over the past few like years. Hell or high water. Hell or high water. News of, of the world. Yeah. Um. A uh, power of the dog. Even. Yeah. It's kind of westerny. Um. But, I would count that as a western, right? For sure. Um. But I I haven't really explored that genre very much. I was wondering, is there a movie genre that you want to see more of, besides westerns? I want to see more like horror movies. But we watch a lot of horror movies. Yeah, but I haven't seen a lot. Like, I like the campy... Like, we've been watching the classics. Of course. And some of them have an element of camp to them. Like, Nightmare on Elm Street has a lot of that. But I feel like there's a lot of horror movies that I haven't really gotten to dig into. Mm -hmm. And, I don't know, I feel like people like them. There was a whole back wall of horror movies at TMV Home Video. My local, um, like, blockbuster, non-blockbuster and I was always so scared because I always saw the pinhead one. Yeah. And that's Hellraiser. Me. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. And a lot of, and that's the other thing. Like a lot of them had like super like over the top gory posters and like covers on the VHSs. And they would always have like H-E double hockey sticks yeah. on the outside. Yeah, yeah, and I'd yeah, be yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <gasps> Like, yeah. oh, my God, I need to get another Mary-Kate and Ashley party DVD. <laughs> to make up for this. I mean, VHS. Um, yeah. I think that's – horror is a good one. My other thing is not necessarily a genre, but I want to watch more Studio Ghibli stuff. That's that's cool. Yeah. Uh, which I've only seen Spirited Away, which we covered for this podcast. Mm-hmm. So I want to – I'm excited for his new one, which was supposed to be his last one, but then he was like, nah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, the Miyazaki stuff I want to get more into. Cool. 
I think I want to see, I kind of want to explore, like, touch upon at least a lot of subgenres. Like, I really would like to watch a French New Wave movie. I think we do a pretty good job of, like, tapping in here and there to but there's a lot of things that i'm still missing so like maybe a french new wave like two of the classics like the big ones yeah maybe two classic bollywood movies right you know like trying to go into the and and even like different countries and what films are representative of of different countries i think could be uh good for my education when it comes to film well i'll tell you i since i started watching stuff that like i've watched if you've listen to this podcast for a while you know that i've the last year or so i've watched a lot of like old japanese movies from the 60s uh 70s and i feel like it's helped me like look at american movies a lot differently too not necessarily in a bad way not being like oh my god these are so much better because some of them aren't but i can you it helps you kind of get the context and kind of see where a lot of these especially if you're watching something like a Nolan or a Scorsese or somebody who is a who Greta Gerwig somebody who knows what they're doing and knows movies you can see where they're drawing their ideas from mm-hmm. and you can be like hey that's from Seven Samurai mm-hmm. and it wasn't done as well or it was done in a really cool way in this new way it's just sort of to me it's 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 added it's added a lot to sort of the things in the the way that I look at writing yeah, I like that. And like a lot of the Italian directors too, like Fellini, uh, Antonioni, like there's a lot of those people too who are it's so influential to so many of the directors that people love nowadays mm-hmm. that it's it's almost impossible not to see it once you've seen one of the the things that like a Tarantino movie comes from. You're like, oh, he's talking, he's referencing this movie, like mm-hmm. he's referencing Bullet from 1968 or whatever. Um, and it's it it sort of it helps you it gives you a fuller understanding of what the director is trying to do yeah well and that's also why i I want to explore like famous directors and like stuff like that like we just watched a couple of altman movies yeah which i always knew that he was this like big director but i didn't know like his stuff or what his style really was and it's cool to kind of like be able to i loved nashville oh nashville was so good um, just a very different type of movie. Yep. And that to me was the movie that made me go, Oh, that's that slice of life stuff that I yes. like. Like that's where Link later gets his stuff exactly. style from in some of his movies. And He's so very I, Allman. Yeah. So I, I would really like to just like maybe less genre E and more subgenre or, or directors. More like directors, movements, things like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um well, you've seen a couple more westerns that I have. Do you have a few favorites? So I'm on my letterbox page right now, and I haven't seen a ton, like I said. But the couple that I will give a shout out to are, um, so the Wild Bunch mm-hmm. was Sam Peckinpah, I think is how you say his name, and he's another one who is a direct, like Tarantino gets all of his stuff from Sam Peckinpah. So I had read Tarantino's book, and he he talks about the Wild Bunch in it a lot, and so I watched it and. It's was it was one of those movies that came out in 1969. It was supposed to be like, oh my god, this movie's so violent. Like you can't take your kids to go see this movie. But like yeah. you watch it now, and it's, and like, it's like it's that. like every it, it's 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 bloody, but it's not. Yeah, it's nowhere near what we've seen since. Um, but in new new Hollywood era, right. I mean, yeah. Uh, but the thing the thing that I like about westerns is that I find the traditional Western to be kind of like, meh. like I watched Stagecoach by John Ford, which mm-hmm. is supposed to be like one of the amazing ones. And it had, it had really cool set pieces, like the horse, the, the, all the horse stuff and the carriage stuff. But 
I find them more interesting when they're deconstructing the genre, like in Butch Cassidy. Yeah, I do love that movie. Um, and in the other one that I liked was The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, which was also John Ford. I think it was one of his last movies. Uh, and it starred uh, Jimmy Stewart and John Wayne. Nice. And the movie is about... And Lee Marvin, who was like a big like character actor at the time, who was in all these movies. And it's about the end of the west the the, mm-hmm. the the wild west and so john wayne is starting to come to terms with the fact that he's sort of irre- becoming irrelevant in society because mm-hmm. it's the early 60s and it's sort of meta because it's like the western was kind of on its way out when yeah. new hollywood hit in the, in the 60s when like easy rider was like one of the last like big movies you would call a western mm-hmm. um and it's just the way that those two play off of each other because i think that's the only time they were ever in a movie together interesting um uh, and they're both kind of good guys. Like Lee Marvin's the bad guy, Jimmy Stewart's the good guy, and John Wayne's somewhere in the middle. And you mm-hmm. kind of figure out throughout the movie where his where his intentions lie. Yeah. So I would say that the three that I would mention are The Wild Bunch, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, and The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. What about Back to the Future Three? I haven't seen it. It is a. That's western. one of the classic westerns I haven't seen. It is a western. Back to the Future Three. <laughs> um. Cool. And then my last westerny question is. Who would you like to see star in a Western? Is there anyone that is kind of gives that vibe? Strong, silent type. Do you have any? No, I just came up with the question. Yeah. Um, hmm. It's kind of weird because like, I wouldn't have said Benedict Cumberbatch, but I thought he worked pretty well. In, in Power of the in Dog. Power of the Dog. He was, he was definitely, he stuck out like a sore thumb, but. He kind of was supposed he to. Was suppo- the character was supposed to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was an interesting movie, I thought. Let's see here. It's weird because I feel like a lot of actors nowadays, not, I don't want to say like nowadays, but I feel like a lot of actors are just kind of themselves. Like mm. if Ryan Gosling's in a movie, it's like he could play a character, but like that's Ryan Gosling. That's Ken. <laughs> you know? How about, how about Brendan Gleeson? Yeah. He kind of does play a cowboy in most of his movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's certain guys, you know, there's certain actors who I think can do whatever they want. Like you mentioned, Brian, Brendan Gleeson, like Colin Farrell, I could see playing a great cowboy. Yeah, but he's also kind of wild. Well, yeah, he'll be a wild cowboy. Yeah. Okay. There's no, there's no. It, well, it's funny because one of the first people who came to mind was Chris Pine, and then I was like, well, he wasn't a cowboy, but Hell or High Water, he was yeah. already kind of in. Yeah. Um, I feel like there's not that what about many... Michael Shannon. Yeah. Your guy. My guy, Michael <laughs> Shannon, Willem Dafoe. <laughs> oh my gosh yeah um, what about um about like a john david washington yeah who was like in he could do that who was in um that that's another movie i wanted to see um why not have him and adam driver meet back up after <laughs> the black clansman yeah remake yeah throw in uh topher grace why not <laughs> we don't well topher grace as long as he's the bad guy <laughs> um Oh, the harder they fall is the movie I was thinking of that came out a few years ago that oh, I right. that I wanted to watch, but it's Jonathan Majors and uh, Regina King's in it. Idris Elba, Zazie Beetz, Regina King, Delroy Lindo, Lakeith Stanfield, that's Daniel a, Deadweiler. That's a good cast. Yeah, Very starring good cast. Jo- Jonathan Majors. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, I I don't know. I, I'm like you. I'm not super into westerns. Yeah. So I wouldn't. I don't know. Yeah. I wouldn't well, have a pick. Just listed for that. a whole bunch of. Yeah, people, and they so. would all be great. All right, my last question here. This is, of course, a, um, a Japanese movie we mentioned a couple times. 
What are some countries whose movies you like the most? Japan, so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, Japan's the only country that I've really like dug into a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and I haven't really, really dug, dug into it. I've seen, I don't know, maybe 20, 25 Japanese movies this year, mm-hmm. uh, which is, I mean, a lot. Uh, for- that is like, bra- he's like secretly bragging. That's a lot for most people. That's a lot for like anybody. But um, I really. Most people haven't seen 25 movies in a year. Yeah, honestly, that's true. I guess I don't really have. I watch more movies than the average person, so I don't have yeah, that, sort so. Of, that sort of context to it. Um, But. I just re- I I like going back and watching the classics because, like I said, it helps me watch newer movies and really appreciate where they're coming from, mm-hmm. or not. Honestly, like a lot of movies I watch now, I'm like, this movie's garbage. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, okay, I'm not gonna. I was really excited for Renfield when oh. it first came out. Yeah. Like, no, not even when it came oh, out. I forgot we watched that. When exactly? Like a week ago. When I heard about Nicolas Cage being Dracula, yeah. I was like, this movie's gonna be hilarious. It was alright. I the, liked it. The trailer, I liked it. The trailer comes out. And I'm like, this looks horrible. Like, I can't watch this. And then we watched it, and it was fine. It was. I remember pretty much nothing about it. And Nicolas Cage, he's worth the price of admission. Nicolas Cage is great Always. as Dracula. But it's like, from watching all like so many like movies that are deemed the greatest ever, Like sometimes when I sit down and I watch a movie like Renfield, that's both not the greatest ever and not the worst ever. Because I will watch the worst ever movies. I love the worst ever movies. But it's like somewhere in the middle... And there's not enough to draw me in, and there's not enough to make me be like, "This is hilarious because it's so bad." Well, it is. You're right. It is hard because we do watch a lot of movies that are Oscar contenders, yeah. and are and I love it classics and things like that. And so when you watch, I always relegate them to the idea of being a plane movie. Yeah. Like if I'm watch- going to watch it on a plane, like I'm not going to watch Power of the Dog right. on on a plane. Right. Um. But. I will watch Renfield on a plane. Right. You know? Um, so it is kind of tough when like, you're like, what should we watch? And then it's a movie that got pretty good reviews. Yeah. This year. And is, you know, people seem to like it. Yeah. And a lot of times we are ended up being disappointed. Yeah. That being said though, I can go back and I watch, like I said, some of these old movies and there are some, like for example, Throne of Blood by Kurosawa, which was the first one that I watched. It's like a Macbeth mm-hmm. samurai reimagining. Okay. I didn't love it like because I've seen so many Macbeth like I loved the tragedy of Macbeth that was really good like certain stories if I had seen this movie in the 60s or whenever it came out I would be like this is wild this movie's mm-hmm. insane right nobody you know it's a Macbeth with freaking you know samurais and swords and all that like that's awesome and it was cool but I don't know it didn't quite do it for me but then I'll watch something like High and Low which is another Kurosawa movie and it's it's like one it's like an early uh like hostage movie mm-hmm. so this guy this guy who's like a he's like a business owner or something it's like ceo and one of his employees who's like a, his driver or something son gets kidnapped to get at him mm-hmm. so his whole the whole moral conundrum isn't like what am i going to do to get my child back it's what am i going to do to get the child of someone who's a lower class than me mm-hmm. who's my employee who's not somebody that i necessarily have to go out and risk my neck for how far do you go in that direction when you're somebody who is so far above that? So it, it ties in both the human aspect and the class aspect. And I find movies like that to be super interesting um, when you have that sort of moral conundrum, even though to most people it probably isn't a conundrum. But it's it's I just think he's a master at at, at sort of pulling those like little threads out. 
Um, and so I haven't gone too far into him or, or uh, Yasujiro Ozu, who's the other like main huge golden age Japanese director. I've watched a few of each of their movies, but that's Japan's probably the the country that I've that I've gotten into the most. Cool. I mean, not count. I'm talking about like foreign language countries. Like yeah, yeah, I've yeah. seen a million English movies. Yeah. So I wouldn't count England. Right. Um. But yeah. You watch a lot of uh Ryan Reynolds movies too. So uh, yeah. Canada's Canada. Covered. Yeah, my Reynolds head. We uh well South Korea film has been having South Korea too. Uh, a little bit of a moment for U.S. audiences. Yep. Um, and a lot of that is obviously because of uh Bong Joon Ho's movies. Mm-hmm. Um. But we've watched a few other ones uh, from South Korea that are really good. We've also watched a few movies from either China or Hong Kong that. Wong Kar Wai movies, yeah. Yeah. What's the movie that we watched that had that big hospital scene? Uh, Hard Boiled. That was crazy. (laughs) It was like 45 minutes. That's John Woo. (laughs) That movie was crazy. Yeah. (laughs) Is that it? Was that from Hong Kong? I think he's Hong Kong, yeah. Yeah. Because it was Tony Lung who was also in In the Mood for Love. Yeah. And Chunking Express. Yes. Yep, which we also saw. Yeah. Right? Did you yep. see that? Chunking Express? Yeah. Yeah, that's the one with uh that played the Mamas and the Papa song a million times. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. And the uh the the cranberry song. Yeah. Uh yeah, yeah John Woo is from Hong Kong. Yeah. Um oh he, we watched uh what was it, Samurai Soccer? Uh Shaolin Soccer. Shaolin Soccer. Yeah, that one's wild. That one that movie was crazy. That movie's wacky. That's when you if you're yeah, in like a wacky. if you're in like a weird mood. You watch Shaolin yeah. Soccer, you'll have a lot of fun. I definitely want to see more movies, again, from India and from France. Those are two countries that I want to see a the lot French. more from. The French. Yeah, I want to kind of explore that a little bit. Although every French movie I've seen is, like, depressing. Well, Extremely sad and traumatic. We should watch a couple of Agnes Varda movies. She's the, one, the couple that I've seen, one of them is depressing, but it's told in a way that's not depressing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other one is not really depressing. Okay. So... Yeah, I got lots of options there. Yeah. That's good. That's all I got for questions. Okay. What do you think about the way this movie was framed? So the first scene yeah. is, is them in the theater. Right. And they're talking about like, I hate when people it's the guy it's the guy in the white suit, the yeah. guy from um Babel. Babel. And he's like a Yakuza guy and he's like, um, I hate when people like crinkle up the the snacks in the theater and he goes and he like beats up a guy who's like crinkling the snack and it's like some old guy yeah and then he sits down and he's like we're all gonna watch this movie together and then the movie starts do you like stuff like that yeah like sure. when they break the fourth wall like that yeah why not what i liked about it in this is that the it sets up the fact that the movie is not it's gonna be light right you know like even when he beats up the guy like it's played for con it's not right it's not a the guy doesn't get bloodied and like taken out like he's just he's beating him up because he yeah. He wants him to shut up in the theater, yeah. which is a pretty universal thing that people probably want to do sometimes. Well, something else, when you have a framing device like that, it does make me consider like this is a person who is purposefully making a film with ideas. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, but like there are a lot of movies that come out that aren't going to be doing stuff like that. Yeah. Um, And it's clearly someone who is like, 
a lot of times it's the people that like write their own stuff. Like when I think about framing devices like that, for some reason, like Quentin Tarantino movies yeah. kind of pop into my head. Like he, like once upon a time worse in than, Hollywood. Nothing kind of worse vibes. than the end of Inglorious Bastards. Right, like yeah, all that kind of when stuff. It's, when it's Brad Pitt saying, "I think this just might be my masterpiece," right. and then directed by Quentin Tarantino pops up exactly. on the screen. Although I love that movie is excellent. I love no, it's my favorite Tarantino. It's an movie. excellent movie. Um, but that's exactly the same. It's kind of like movies within movies within movies. Yeah. And, and so that's what that Tim movie Popo, had a movie in it too. It the, did. The Nazi propaganda movie. Right. Um, so Tampopo kind of reminded me of that in a way, which is interesting. Yeah. And it, it sort of like went from story to story, like sort of freewheeling. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, you had your main narrative, but outside of that, it was all once you like, it took me a while to catch on to the fact that like, we weren't going to see these characters again. Right. But then we did see the gangster guy a bunch. Yeah. So it was like, kind of like you never knew what was coming next. Right. Um, which did I love that? Did it enhance my viewing experience of the movie? No, I was always like, all right, let's get back to the Tampopo story. Well, yeah, it's it's. I liked some of them. I thought but that some of them were really good. I I understand the greater purpose of it, and I wouldn't have wanted it to change because that was the purpose of the director, right? And, and the, the writer, you know, the, the great purpose is here is to say that like how universal food is. People use food in so many different ways, and it affects people. It it, it elicits emotions. One of my one of my notes was, I just wrote. Food is used for a lot of different purposes. Comedy, drama, like the opening Western standoff, uh, romance, camaraderie between the sensei crew when they were all just, you know, laughing it up mm -hmm. over how he used to, you know, whatever they said he made. Mm -hmm. Like he was like known for this huge dish. Um, Payne, the guy with the dental issue who had like, yeah. who he was like, he was, I forget what he was eating, but they were like, your mouth smells so bad. Yeah. And he, he had like, like an abscess. Yeah. He had like an abscess. Uh, rebellion when uh, the one kid was standing there and he had a like a sign on him from his mom that said don't give him ice cream yeah and the guy gives him ice cream yeah uh, even incidental friendship like the guy who they saved from choking right. who then becomes like friends with them um, business and social situations like the guy who ordered the wrong the wrong thing at the business lunch uh, the fake the guy who was faking being a college professor so he could steal from people mm -hmm. um, it's an entire city and civilization connected by food in every conceivable way is what I wrote. Beautiful. And without the vignettes, I think it's hard to pack all that into exactly. the main narrative. Exactly. So I, I appreciate them in that way, although the Tampopo story was obviously my favorite. Yep. Um, well, all right. Here's a little spinoff question of that. Okay. Have you ever had a food experience that has been otherworldly that would be fit in place in this movie? Um, not that I can talk about on this podcast. Oh, God. <laughs> okay i'm talking about the skylark oh uh, well it's just chaos there no 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 we, a specific story about the skylark i don't remember we'll talk later okay um <laughs> no not off the top of my head but i will say that one of my favorite things to do is eat food with people yeah sure it's the way that i've made the most connections with people i had a whole friend group and cotton who were my high school friends and throughout college and shortly after college we would hang out when we when we all still lived in the same town we would go to sonic at like midnight every night like for like a whole summer mm -hmm. like food br they say food brings people together and it's like a cliche but it's really not like it for me it's been a huge part of my life we go see we go we're going to your parents house in a couple hours for sunday dinner that we do every single week yep like food's the best and not because of the taste necessarily mm -hmm. i mean food taste is great but it's the experience yeah i think mine is uh i've had very distinct memorable um experiences around baking f when yeah. i make food for others you don't even need it really not very much people are always surprised by that when i yeah 
Because I like to eat, I'll eat a whole bag of Doritos, no problem. <laughs> oh, how's that? People, but- <laughs> people who don't know you. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's always nice when you, number one, when I accomplish a major, major baking project and it's like successful. Like Italian seven layer cookies. But yes, like that took three days to make. Uh, I made a Russian honey cake that took many, 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 many hours. Made I've a wedding done, cake. yeah, I've made a wedding cake. Um, I've had, yeah, lots of different uh, times where I've done things for the first time, like successfully making a lemon curd, successfully baking yeasted things. And it's always very, very exciting when it's like successful, but it's also nice to get compliments. And I get a lot of compliments for my baking <laughs> and especially from like people that are like kind of like step away acquaintances. Yeah. Like if I bring something to a party and someone who I don't even know finds me to tell me how good something is, that, that that's a good, that's good right there. You were talking about me bragging. Um, I can't help it that I'm that good, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not. Sometimes I have fails too. It's happened. It's happened. Remember the cake pops? Those are pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What was the best looking food in the movie? Um, I mean the noodles, uh, the ramen noodles. Well, I know that you're all. She's also Aaron's also a vegetarian. If you don't know, so, so. there were certain things yeah. that um, they're like I cutting the heads off of stuff. And I personally, uh, you know, when it comes to food, I struggle with that a little bit. But uh, I do understand the cultural significance to it, and so I'm not. Well, gonna, well, part of that too. I'm not going to say that people shouldn't be doing. Well, no, know. part of that too was that Tampopo was cringing and looking away too so like part of it is that they were going that extra step to show her what she needed to do to be successful right totally so they're they're pushing the boundary there on purpose yeah definitely that ice cream looked good too yeah i would say outside of the the ramen which i literally turned to i was like i want ramen so bad right now look good i have a noodles i have a favorite ramen shop in uh a town i used to work in Mm -hmm. uh that i haven't been to in a while and they have one nearby us so they do um, and maybe want to go. Maybe want to go there. But what I will say is, the food that I actually thought looked the best was in the the scene when the mom like woke up from her deathbed and made the food. Mm-hmm. It was like it was like some kind of fried rice, and there was like egg in it and everything. Yep. That yep. looked to me like the best food in the movie. Yeah, that was a sad scene. Yeah, it was. But again, that's one of the things that it touched on. Mm-hmm. Touched on how the the dad was like no you have to finish this meal because it's the last meal your mom made yeah. and it's like that's sad but also it like means so much to people mm-hmm. food means so much to people um what do you think is the trait that makes tampopo successful in this movie the character successful? i think that it's her uh can do spirit and uh her ability to move past uh criticism whether constructive or not um so she's able to kind of take what people are saying about her food and continue to change it and be open to that, be open-minded about changing things. And I think that, and do it with a smile too, which I'm not saying you have to smile, but like she does, she like does. she does it in a way where it's like, she's taking this opportunity to learn in order to get better. Yeah. And so I appreciate that. Well, what I wrote to was listening and learning all the other chefs we meet in the movie are convinced their way is best. Yeah. And you know, we don't really get to see how successful she is in the long run, but looks pretty good. It's a good start. Again, I also loved the outside of the restaurant, how they yeah. made it look. The inside is a little '80s because yeah. it was made in 1985, so yeah. like modern and cool in the '80s. Yeah. Is, you know, um, I mean, at the end, yeah, yeah, because I liked the original look of the shop. They made it seem like oh, it's all yucky. It wasn't yucky, um, but the outside with the um, the little awning, yeah, so beautiful. Yeah, I I liked in this movie that she 
took a little sprinkle from everybody. Yeah. Like that is that's nice too. The I, the power of collaboration. Yeah. Is nice. Sometimes you even can, if it was a unintentional collaboration, yeah. like they stole from well, people. Well, <laughs> sometimes you can literally get too many cooks in the kitchen and have it turn out to be bad. So I think that the other thing is discerning what the good advice was and the bad advice was. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I would have loved to to eat at her ramen shop. Yeah. Okay. What if you had a restaurant? Yeah. What food would it serve, and what would it be called? I would do a bakery. Called April's Bakes. A- April's. It just or or maybe just April's. April's. I think just April's. I also so I like two different ideas. Number one, I like a pastry focused or like baking focused breakfast shop that would also do coffees and like whatever. I also like a dessert restaurant where it's like the place we went to in Little Italy where you uh, go and you what it's called. you sit down and it's like you get a waiter and you Ferraris. get a menu and you get desserts and it's a real whole thing i like that i like the idea of making the sweet part even though again i don't really eat sweets that much (laughs) although sometimes i do um like making that a main event i think is a really cool idea and i would call it april's okay what about you i would i want i would like a sub shop i like that idea. i would like a sub shop like a seated rolls we're talking but we're talking like hot and cold we're talking like you can get like (laughs) some kind of like chicken parm if you want yeah you could get some kind of i'm thinking of the place from my hometown Mm -hmm. also uh i wouldn't go that crazy because they have like all this crazy stuff but i'm talking like simple like good ingredients and we're gonna call it tommy's tubers (laughs) we'll work on the what's a t word for for sandwiches um, I don't know. I don't know. Think about it. Um, Tommy's tubers. So, uh, why don't you call it Tommy's lunchbox? Tommy's lunchbox. Kind of like that. Yeah. Um, and then I have the special. The one special is uh, Tommy's pickles. It comes with pickles on it. There's a place uh, in uh, Collingswood that's called Maria's Bread Sandwiches, and I like the way that sounds. Bread sandwiches. Like I like the old school names. Yeah. Um. Like if I was doing a uh, an ice cream, it would be April's ice box. April's ice box. April's ice box. She keeps opening her eyes every time we say her name. You know, I I like that kind of thing. Like I pref- like if you called a bake shop instead of a bakery. Like that's yeah. sweet. I like that a lot. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Uh, Tommy sandwiches. <laughs> I feel like it's not catchy enough. We'll have to workshop the name. If you have a better name for I us. Do, I like Tommy's Lunchbox. Tommy's Lunchbox. If you if you have a better name than that, please let us know. We're going to crowdsource this one now. <laughs> um, Yeah, and if you want to come to my sub shop, let me know. And there has to be a vegetarian section. Oh, yeah, 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 of course. Well, another thing is like people, I've talked to people outside of the state and like nobody knows what pork roll is. Yeah. Taylor ham. I mean, or they've heard of it because of New Jersey, the whole thing. Right, but I feel like there's... N- I'm surprised that, like, you could get good pizza in Kansas, maybe. In theory. In theory. Mm. Like, not as good as here, but, like, you could get... You're not getting a good seated roll anywhere yeah, outside. Or a bagel, I feel you're like. You're not. You're not. Like, so a sandwich, like, a seated roll. Yeah. That's, like, a good sandwich hoagie roll. You're not getting outside of this area. I'm thinking... In the U.S. I'm thinking, like... Pork roll to me seems like a thing that should have caught on like wildfire and never did. It's not something that's dependent on like the water, as they say. Like that's why New York pizza is so good. It's because of the water. Like 
I feel like pork roll should be a bigger thing. Maybe that's it's my favorite breakfast meat. Maybe it's because it's the New Jersey, you know, New Jersey vibe that the pigs have. Maybe. Maybe it's those New Jersey pigs. Maybe. All right. Well, that's why uh, you would have thought that boost would have caught fire, too. No. No, no, no. <laughs> boost slushies sold out across the nation. <laughs> um, I wrote, when they're training the other guy to work at the ramen shop, it's like bar rescue when they set up the fake customers and in the car, Taffer screaming about how awful the place is. Yes, exactly. Because they were all looking at each other. They were like, oh, this guy's not dude. He's not going to cut it. <laughs> um I also said that the guys that were with the gourmet sensei mm-hmm. reminded us of when like an outsider talks to us about movies, <laughs> like people, yeah, exactly. not an outsider in terms of people who only don't watch the same movies that we do, but people who don't talk about movies with us. Like, like we're talking, right, we got to leave now. Bye. Yeah. Just, they're just, they were, I wrote that they were just tossing information about the drought of 1980 in Bordeaux and they were like going back and forth about it and yeah. Tempopo and her son and, and it was, they were just like, what is going on here? Well, yeah. Like think about it. If like, we're just talking about the the like best picture nominees exactly. from 2013 exactly. and why this mo- like to Leslie we dropped last yeah, week yeah like nobody cares about to Leslie no. well I do I deeply care about to Leslie this one's to you Leslie but and it's such a funny name for a movie <laughs> <laughs> and Mark Maron's in it what's not to like about Mark Maron and also the campaign how it was like are they like illegally yeah getting andrea riseborough like yes. i love that this stuff. brilliant stuff I and we're doing it again we're doing stuff. exactly what i oh yeah sorry <laughs> <laughs> she ended up with a, a little diner at the end she did we could have done that movie for comfort food although that is a very sad movie to do not for very comfortable food. no this was more comfortable this movie yeah it was nice uh the other thing that we didn't mention was that it also sort of lampoon sports movies uh there was the rocky scene when she's running down the the uh it's it the beach with the when he's on the bike next to her. It satirized a lot of American movies, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, what else we got? Well, the thing with the... So the, the spaghetti scene I wanted to talk about, too. So as I mentioned, it's like an etiquette class for the Japanese women. And like they're they're trying not to slurp the spaghetti. Yeah, because it's... In Japan... It's seen as a compliment. A sign of appreciation. If you're slurping noodles and... In fancy America. Yeah. Which, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, it's seen as rude if you're slurping. And then the guy downstairs was just slurping the slurping. He Listen, doesn't care. You gotta live <laughs> yeah. your best life. Yeah. Do what you want. Exactly. And I agree. I think that's that's a good a good message to take from that. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Like, yeah. So all right. So I didn't It doesn't I, matter. Do you know how much that kind of stuff doesn't matter? When we went to uh Heirloom Kitchen, which is a nice, beautiful restaurant yep. with uh, it is on the casual side as far as fine dining goes. Yeah. But it's got a it's a tasting menu. It's fancy. It's more money than we spend usually in three dinners uh, out. And, three Chipotle's. Yeah. And at the end of the meal, I walked over to the lady who was the coat check and I was whispered to her. I'm like, I don't know if I pay you or not <laughs> <laughs> for the coat. <laughs> And she was so nice and laughed and it like made her feel happy for a second <laughs> that this idiot had no idea what she was doing. So nobody cares. No. Nah. Nobody cares. The I actually there as Aaron mentioned, there's not a whole lot out there about this movie no. from information sources. So I have Tom's top two trivia. Yay. One of them is that slurping noodles is considered polite in Japan and it's a way for the customer to show their appreciation yep. for the cook. And number two. The old name of Tampopo's restaurant when she first meets Goro and, and Gun is uh, Lai Lai Ken. Years later, when the first authentic ramen shop opened in New York City, that was what it was named. 
So nice. Yeah, took its name from that scene. Uh, yeah, so that was a quick trivia section. What else we got? Um, Roger Ebert review. Ebert reviewed it. You better believe it. Ebert Ebert knew where his head was at. Four stars out of four. Good job, Thumbs Raj. up. Uh, he wrote, Tempopo is one of those utterly original movies that seems to exist in no known category. Like the French comedies of Jacques Tati, which is like, yeah, thank you, Ebert. Uh, it's a bemused meditation on human nature in which one humorous situation flows into another offhandedly as if life were a series of smiles. Humorous, I think, is the perfect word for this movie. It is. It's not like laugh not out loud funny. funny. But it's humor. It's humorous, for sure. Mm-hmm. Humor, it is said, is universal. Most times, it is not. The humor that travels best, I sometimes think, is not universal humor at all, but humor that grows so specifically out of one culture that it reaches other cultures almost by se- seeming to ignore them. Mm. The best British comedies were the very specifically British films. The best Ita- He names a couple that I've never heard of. The best Italian comedies were such local products as Seduced and Abandoned, which I guess is an Italian comedy. The funniest French films were by Tati, who seemed totally absorbed in himself. And this very, very Japanese movie, which seems to make no effort to communicate to other cultures, is universally funny almost for that reason. Who cannot identify with the search for the perfect noodle? Certainly any American can in the land of sweet corn festivals, bake-offs, and contests for the world's best chili. This is a very funny movie. Nice. Yeah, it was a, it was a very light review. Um, light as in... Light tone-wise, he had a lot more than that. He had a lot to say about this movie. Good. Uh, what else we got? My deep dive. Okay. So it's from an it's from an essay, <clears throat> an essay written on Criterion.com when Tampopo was introduced into the Criterion Collection in 2017. Um, and it's a it's called Tampopo Ramen for the People. And I'm just going to read a couple little bits of it. It's about how where the western came from and like how this this pulled from the western so the writer is willie blackmore and he writes although no tumbleweeds roll across the screen in tampopo juzo atami's 1985 ramen western the film is steeped in other tropes of the genre in its opening we see the cowboy hat wearing goro and his sidekick gun each with a neckerchief at his throat ride into town at the in the cab of a tanker truck and seek out the best bar to sidle up for perfect bowl of ramen in fact the film itself is kind of a tumbleweed it is a product of cultural cross-pollination, borrowing from American movie-making conventions to explore a uniquely Japanese obsession. Along the way, it crafts a populist utopian vision, not just of food culture, but of, of society as a whole. Um, it is... In the U.S. today, as has long been the case in Japan, the dish symbolizes a culinary ideal put forward in Tampopo, that tasteful and formed appetites should belong to the many, not just the wealthy few. Um, then it talks about uh, how in uh, the the vignettes, the place that ramen occupies in food culture is not unlike that of genre films, including westerns and cinema. It is made for mass consumption and widely available, but it can transcend its popularity to become high art. As many throwaway flicks about shootouts at high noon as there are, there are also the films of John Ford, who, by the way, as a first-generation Irish-American born in Maine, was a tumbleweed in his own right. As many trash bowls of melted salt lick water capped with a quarter inch of pork fat as you may be served, there's also the kind of noodle soup Tampopo aspires to. Tonkatsu broth that tastes clean and rich after 60 hours of simmering with noodles so springy they almost seem alive. Seem alive. Uh, in, in a way, 
Westerns are American in the least nationalistic sense. Immigrants from diverse backgrounds made them into a financially and artistically successful enterprise, and the stories themselves were sometimes borrowed, if not stolen outright, from other cultures. Long before Itami created Goro in the image of John Wayne, John Sturgis traded katanas for revolvers when he made Akira Kurosawa's Seven Samurai as the Magnificent Seven. Mm -hmm. And after seeing A Fistful of Dollars, Sergio Leone's classic spaghetti western, Kurosawa wrote the Italian director to say, It's a very fine film, but it is my film. That's great. <laughs> His production company sued Leone for ripping off of Kurosawa's Yojimbo, sometimes shot for shot. Uh, when you consider the number of famous cowboys who were first famous Ronin and the very tumbleweed nature of the western genre itself, it's not un difficult to understand the appeal Tampopo had for a U.S. viewer like Roger Ebert, however exotic he found it at the time. Um, yeah, that's it. And then he talks about sort of the appearance on every taco truck in every corner in the U.S. would be kind of what happened with ramen in Japan. Mm -hmm. um, it's a really nice article. It's long. I'm obviously not going to go through the whole thing, but uh, yeah, it's just about how this movie kind of helped turn ramen into a into a everyman meal and sort of give it new life and bring it up to that next level. Great. Yeah, I love ramen. I haven't had I've only had like a couple of like legit like non top ramen. Yeah. Uh but every time I have it I'm like this is great and I want more. Nice. Um yeah. So Tampopo. That was Tampopo. Does Tampopo make baby's first watch list? Yeah. Not right away, though. Not right away. There's a couple scenes in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With a fast forward button. <laughs> uh, yeah. Do you have any takeaways? Um, well, I think that we could bring it back to... We kind of covered some of them. To Tampopo yeah. herself, right? When you're faced with adversity and criticism, there's many different ways that you can handle it. Um, you could handle it like me and just cry. Or <laughs> you could be like Tampopo and take that as an opportunity to grow and learn keep your eyes and ears open and take what works throw out what doesn't and if you want you could even do it with a little bit of a positive attitude i totally agree and the other thing that i that i would say as a takeaway that i think our generation has done a lot better than the generation before us is to be open to new types of food mm. be open to new types of experiences and new types of movies too new types of movies yeah even though this is from 1985 yeah. Well, it's a new type of movie for, for us. us. I mean, even like I said, even though I've seen a lot of Japanese movies at this point, this is a different one. Right. It's a, I've never seen a movie like this before. That's, I haven't delved much into Japanese comedies, for example. Mm -hmm. So there's always another new thing for you to find somewhere. Yep. Um, yeah. So that was Tempopo. And I don't think I missed anything. No. Um, I think it's good. No. Next week, our third movie of Comfort Foods Month is also for Aaron's birthday, which is coming soon, is The Parent Trap. Yay! We've been on a low hand kick the last Listen, month. this is our last big low hand. Until yeah, we get to Machete. Um, Yeah. <laughs> but Machete, or is it Machete 2? I think she's which in the first one. In the first one. Um, which we watched together. We did. So Parent Trap is a classic, a new classic. Um, is that true? To me. Okay. It's from 1998. It's old. No, I'm not, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the classic part. Of course, it's a classic. Okay. Um, is it Nora Ephron? I think it's Nora I Ephron. I think you might be right. Uh, yeah, that's a classic. Um, and it's a little bit long, which is kind of wild, but it's really... 128 minutes? Too long. No, it's, it's Nancy Myers. Oh, Nancy Myers. That's it. Nancy which Myers. Which still, she's good Yeah, too. she's great. It's Dean Cundy, our favorite cinematographer. That's right. And 
It's <laughs> Cundy heads over here, as yes, always. Yes, we are the foremost Dean Cundy <laughs> podcast, I would say. Um, and it's an excellent kind of Lindsay Lohan primer, almost. Yeah. Even though you don't need that. Don't you've need seen the a primer. Lot of her I've seen most of her big movies. This might be her best movie. She has another movie coming out. Did you see? It's uh, it comes out. It's like part of her Netflix deal. So you know, I'll watch it. I don't know what it's gonna look like, but uh, let's see here. I'm on her Wikipedia page. It's called Irish Wish. Oh, I'm in. When the love of her life gets engaged to her best friend, Maddie puts her feelings aside to be a bridesmaid at their wedding in <gasps> Ireland. Days oh. before the pair are set to marry, Maddie makes a spontaneous wish for true love only to wake up as the bride-to-be. <gasps> With her dream seeming to come true, Maddie soon realizes that her real soulmate is someone else entirely. All right, we're watching it. <laughs> we're doing it. When it comes out. When's it coming out? Um, In 2024. All right, we're doing it. Just yep. like we did Falling for Christmas. Yep. Yep. The love interest is Ed Spielers from Aragon. <laughs> <laughs> okay. He was in Downton Abbey and Outlander. Oh, okay. All right. So he... And the fourth season of You. All right. So he's, he's around. He's, he's around. around. It's not It's not uh, the he's guy. He's from Aragon and then that's it. <laughs> um, yeah. So Parent Trap, I'm really excited for you to see. It's got Queen Natasha Richardson. Okay. It's got um, uh, Lisa Ann Waters from Abbott Elementary. Oh, okay. Uh, Dennis Quaid. It is a wonderful movie. I think you're going to love it. I actually do think I'm going to like it. I, I was just kidding. I think you're going to love it. 128 it is, minutes is long. But it's long, but honestly, and it does feel long. This but, movie was a little long, too. Yeah, this with movie the was a little long, too. I agree. So, um, yeah, it's not like we're watching Oppie again. Yeah. Or Killers of the Flower Moon. Which we have not seen yet. Or Avatar The Way of Water, which is the only the only Best Picture nominee since 2010 we haven't seen. We're going to have to watch it. Yeah. Yep. All right. um, yeah, so that was Tampopo, and join us next week again for the Parent Trap. I'm sure more people will listen to the Parent Trap episode than this one, but, but if you they shouldn't, if, if you got here, this. if you got here, spread the word. Yeah. All right. See you guys later. Bye. Bye.